your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. They just read from very well. Thank you, George, for that. Grateful that you're up on the hill this morning. Uh, oh, oh yeah. My name is Spencer. I, you're looking at me like, who are you? This is our latest guest speaker. I'm just hitting you before you hit me. I know it's coming. Grateful to be here. I came back, we came back last night from the uh, Soto marriage retreat. There's I don't know, 30 couples up there uh, and, some, and some others, I think, maybe, that are doing some things. And we had a great time, great experience. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to share just a little bit of that with you uh, here in a little bit as we're wrapping up this month of marriage discussion. But just because you're not a married person doesn't mean you can tune me out and say this has nothing to do with me uh, because our lesson today uh, can be applied to anybody who's got any kind of relationship anywhere. Is there anybody here who's in relationship with somebody else even if they're not a spouse? Oh, come on. Everybody is. You know better than that, right? Everybody is. So it's going to be relating to all of you. So, uh, so don't tune me out. And, uh, and I'm, I'm working on shortening sermons. So does that make you want to tune in a little more? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. I'll remember that. All right. Let's pray. I mean, let's sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to belong, they are weak. I, uh, I'm grateful. We have, uh, as I was going around, several visitors. If you're visiting with us, and hopefully I got to see some of you, most of you, uh, and uh, just let you know you're welcome up here, and we're grateful that you're here. It makes a difference in us for sure. I, I wanted to, to kind of end this uh, our, our formal treatment of like this marriage stuff for September with a very uh, concrete and practical sermon. Uh, something I, I'm I'm not under the impression that a sermon can revolutionize much of anything or transform anything, but I do think that what we're going to be talking about today can transform any relationship that you happen to be in. I think uh, couples can change their entire families, and even if one of you is really into improving your marriage and the other one's not, that one can do this thing that we're talking about today and completely change the way the marriage goes. So often, and I, I think if, if we were honest with each other and, uh, in our marriages, but also with each other at church, we would say that there are seasons of time when one of you is more interested in, in, in improving the marriage than the other. They're just, they're, whatever reason, I've got a, a certain things uh, in, in my life that make me kind of indifferent about improving this. It's not that I want out, it's just that I'm not really zoned into improving this. The other one might be. The idea is what could one person do? That's what we've been talking about all month with this marriage thing is what can one person do when the other person is not really engaged in trying uh, to make this better? What can we do? A single idea. I just want to give a single idea of a single action you can take will make your marriage better. And here it is. The couple that prays together stays together. Not revolutionary, not original, not unique at all. You've heard this all your life. You may have seen it in bumper stickers. But I do believe that one member of this two 
union of marriage can change the entire marriage through prayer. I believe both of them, if they really got into this and, and they really got into praying for their marriage, can change the entire family. I think that's what Jesus did, and I think that's what impressed the disciples in Luke chapter 11. When they notice him, as he did all the time, go for a season of prayer, and then he comes back and he joins the disciples, and the disciples meet him with a request. What they've concluded after watching Jesus is this, his superpower that keeps him focused on the kingdom of God, focused on serving God with all his heart, his superpower is prayer. And so they say, Jesus, we want to learn to do that. We've seen the Pharisees do it. We know it. We've been around it all our lives. But we want you to teach us how to pray because what we do is nothing like what you do. And Jesus, in his grace, teaches them. He gives them two instructions, really. One is that he gives them a script. He gives them the actual words to say now this really isn't the lord's prayer we call it that but the lord can't really pray this prayer there's a line in there jesus would never have to pray what line is it forgive us our sins or debts or trespasses did jesus ever sin so why would he need to say that? It's not his prayer. It's his prayer to us. If you want to have that vitality and strength of devotion and focus on the kingdom, this is the prayer. I'm going to give you the actual words. I'm not going to give you, I'm, I'm not going to give you just kind of some suggestions. I'm not going to give you a 45-minute sermon on prayer. Let me give you the actual words, and it's very few words. This isn't all you would ever pray. There's all sorts of things you need to pray for. There's health matters. There's things going on in your life and the lives of people you love that you need to include in your prayer. But with time, the passing of time, those things change. I've got this uh, note-taking app on my phone where anybody says, you pray for me or whatever. I put their name on it, and I've got this long list, but it changes. It changes constantly, and it needs to. It needs to be updated, and, and some people, the, the concern is taken care of, or something has happened. Uh, so this past week, somebody was going for a job interview. There's a prayer request. Um, th there's a, I'm going for a job improvement, right? I'm going for, there's health issues that we've got at Valley View. May not be that, that, those same things a year from now. Those things change, but Jesus seems to be saying this. There's a select few things you need to pray for all the time. There's a select few things I'm going to teach you that you absolutely need to be regular features in your prayer life, and you need to go at God over and over and over again. And he gives them this list. It's an actual script of what Jesus would have you pray for. Guys, lean into this. This is a big deal. I'm going to give you the actual words to use. And he does. And we're going to go through them, but only for this reason. If you pray this, what will it, what will it change about you? The co concerns of Jesus, the prayer items that he puts in this prayer, won't necessarily change the world, but it will change you. And here's the interesting thing. Everything changes in your world when you change. So we're talking about this at this retreat, and we've been talking about it for the last month. Married people, only married people answer this question, if you've ever been married. How many would say this? You 
can't make your spouse change. Raise your hand. You are correct. If you didn't raise your hand, you are still under an illusion. You can't make your spouse change. You can nag. You can complain. You can beg. You can go silent. You can get loud and obnoxious. You can, you can punish. You can ground. Yes, we ground our spouses all the time. Don't tell me we don't. You can do all that stuff, but you can't change your spouse. Not even when you pray for them. But you know who you can change? You. And when you change you, you change everyone around you. They can't help but change when you do that. And this prayer is going to change you. And I, all I want to do when talking about this prayer is I want to show you what it develops in you. When you pray this, and I don't mean just saying the words. Jesus warns us, it's not about saying words. It's not a formula. It's not a mindless repetition of things. It's not an incantation. It's not like you know, Harry Potter saying this and it happens. This is something when you pray about this and you earnestly desire this and you think about how this could impact your life, it changes you. And we're going to talk about how it does. Here's the first line. And I want you, if it's in parentheses, to say it with me. You ready? Our Father who art in heaven. I didn't hear you all, so let's say it again. Our Father who art in heaven. You are starting your prayer by telling yourself and God who you know you're talking to. And the only reason you pray is you know you need him. This is why many of us don't pray. We don't think we need him. And that's going to be your number one challenge in prayer, and it's going to be the very first thing that you pray. You've got to believe God exists, and he, diligent, he rewards those who diligently seek him, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You will not pray if you don't think God is there, if you don't think that he's listening, if you don't think he has anything to do. You are, but what, what, when you do pray, and when you get good at praying, you are telling yourself, I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this life. I'm not alone in this marriage. I'm not alone in trying to be righteous. I'm not alone in trying to develop all those, th those, those things God wants to develop in me. I'm not by myself. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not sovereign, and I have access to help. And the help that's here not only has all power, he's in heaven, he has all power, but he loves me. He's my father and I am his child and he wants to hear from me. Just by saying that line, you are saying, I am not alone in this life to do all I need to do. When you are in your marriage, and this is the number one question this month, constantly asked, and we were talking about it all this weekend, is what happens in a marriage when one of them wants to work on it and make it better and the other one doesn't? What do you do? It's like it's a two-way street. You can't go on it one way. I get what you're saying. But what do you do as the one person trying? What do you do? And one thing that prayer does is it helps you know in this marriage there are not two. In this marriage there are three. God is here. And when you talk to him and when you open up prayer to him, there's two out of three here. You can evoke change in a marriage by simply praying this prayer and asking for God's help in you. So that's the first line. Here's the second one. Yeah, everybody, everybody say it with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's all the same thing. 
three ways of saying the same thing. And what you are saying at the very start of this prayer is, I want God to be seen as holy in this world, and especially in me. My prayer is that God is seen as holy in my life. In your marriage, you want God to be as seen as holy in your marriage. The world can see God's different. I want, to, I want God's kingdom to be done on earth, not my kingdom. Now, this is hard to pray, and seriously, this is if you pray earnestly. There are a lot of people who are praying for God to bring their kingdom about. Here's the things I want you to do for me, God, because I'm building my kingdom. And no, 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 no. At the very beginning of a prayer that Jesus wants you to pray, you are saying, God, my kingdom is back here. It's only good if it's part of your kingdom, too. I want your kingdom. And so what you do in a marriage, here's what happens. The wife's got her job or maybe she's in the home I don't know and she's taking care of the home and building up the home taking care of the family wanting the family to succeed and she wants her husband to serve her kingdom she wants her her husband to make sure that he serves her kingdom the husband on the other hand is wanting to be really successful in his job and he's working like crazy at his job and he comes home and he wants the wife to serve his kingdom as he builds up his kingdom and what you are saying in this prayer if you pray it with all your heart like jesus asked you to you will say god we don't want our kingdom we want yours to be seen this is very hard to pray And we want in our marriage God's will to be done even when we're tired, even when it challenges our will, and even when it's really hard. We want God's will to be done. This is the prayer you're praying when you pray this prayer. And the words that you say help you see the life you should live and shapes you for it. This is what you're saying. So listen, I think part of the reason why we don't pray this prayer much is challenges everything about us i'm so interested in my kingdom i'm not sure that i can pray this line next line we pray say it together give us this day our daily bread okay why why do we think god gives it to us when we have to work for it he also says you don't work and you don't eat right are those mutually exclusive things and they're not if you have a job, God provided you with that job. And if you have the skills to do that job, God gave you those skills and you've harnessed them and he's given you the education. He's provided that for you and all that stuff. Those are resources. You've got job, you've got money, you've got Walmart you can go to or Harps or wherever you go and that's where the food comes from. You've got you to walk through this a little bit with your kids sometimes. And yet, after doing all that stuff, you still say, God, give us our daily bread. So did that come from God or did that come from you? Did it come from God or did it come from you? The answer really is yes, but no amount of money makes the earth produce the crop that it produces. What makes that happen? The sunlight, the rain, the earth. Did you have anything to do with any of that? No. Farmers didn't either. We're understanding that if we, if we have our needs met, it's because there's one source to all our needs, one source to every need that we have, and that's God. Now, there are many resources. You've got stores, and you've got all sorts of different avenues God uses to bring that source to you, but the source is one thing. And our lives are not about our daily food. You probably have... Some of you probably have a week's worth of food, daily food, in your freezer right now. 
probably. If, you know, if everything went crazy and things got in trouble, you have enough to survive for a while. So your daily food is not a major need to you. You see where that's coming from, but you do have daily needs, and you need to go to God for them. You are a needy person. That's what you're saying to God when you pray this prayer, and you need to pray it every day. Next line. Say it together. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Say early in the morning before you even get out of bed, you pray this prayer. What are you saying when you start the day with this line? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I am a sinner who sins. Today I'm going to sin, and today, God, the only way, the only way I can properly handle that sin is if you give me grace. So right now, at the beginning of this day, I'm asking, I'm petitioning you for grace, the only thing that's going to allow me to survive the sin I commit today. But there's another thing you're saying, too. What else do you know about this day from this line? Are you going to be sinned against? Probably as soon as you get in traffic in Jonesboro, you're going to be sinned against. It's not going to last very long. You're going to go to a coworker, and that coworker is going to do something or say something or have that attitude or treat you in a certain way. Somebody, and by the way, you are a sinner married to a sinner. It's pretty likely that your fellow sinning mate is going to sin against you at some time. It's going to happen. And so what you are saying at the beginning of the day is, God, I need your grace to survive this day, but I also need to extend your grace to others. I need to be ready at a moment's notice to let your grace flow right through me to somebody else and I'm already a forgiving and forgiven person right there in my head before I ever get out of bed right next line say it together with me lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil what are you saying inside of me God there are things that I want to do that I shouldn't do God, there's going to be moments today where I really want to say what I shouldn't say. Anybody have the spiritual gift of sarcasm in here? And it's going to come to you. And it's going to come to you fast because that's your nature. And here it comes. And right there, put a watchman at my lips, Psalm 141. God, there's going to be moments when I can really say something cruel or mean and really knock a punch, but God, I know that's not, and there's going to be things I want to do. God, I've got these tendencies. I already know them before this day starts. I already know that I'm going to be drawn towards something. Help me, God, to accept your guidance, because here's what the, one thing I know, and you do too from Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What do you know about every single temptation you're faced with? What do you know? There's a way of escape. And you're saying in this prayer, God, help me to recognize your way of escape and help me to take it because I'm not going to want to. That's the whole thing about temptation. I don't want to take your way of escape. I want to do this. And God, every fiber within me wants to. But God, in this prayer, what I'm saying is, I know my areas of weakness. I know what they are. Help me to accept your guidance. Guys, that's the script Jesus gives us. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the prayer you need to pray every single day. That's the strength. Jesus gives us the script. Now you add other things to it. There's many other things going on in your life that are timely and time, and you need to put them in there. But those things, those things need to be there. If he's saying to his disciples, if you want that vibrant kingdom living that's focused on God and serving him and is able to handle all those things and ends up being like me, if you want to be like Jesus, this is how you pray if you want to be like Jesus. These are the words you say. Whatever else, these words you say. And it develops in you these dispositions. But that's not all he says. There's a way you say them. There's a way you say them. The manner matters. And I want you to read with me. Luke chapter 11. He finished off with the Lord's Prayer, verse 5. We're going to go to verse, verse 4. We're going to go to verse 5. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to that friend at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing in my house. It's midnight, y'all. I was always taught you don't call somebody after nine. It's midnight. You have a friend who's come in on a trip. Maybe you knew he's coming, maybe you didn't. But he comes in, he's really hungry, and you love your friend, and he's staying with you, and it's your responsibility to provide something, but you got nothing, and so you've got a friend. Now, what we would do is go to the 24-hour Walmart. Oops, there aren't any anymore. Are there? They've used COVID as an excuse to get rid of them. What do we do? Denny's, is it open all night? I don't know. But they didn't have anything like that. There was no market open all night. It's already wrapped up. There's no, there's no place. You can't go get that stuff anonymously in businesses like we can. What do you do? You think of the only person you know, your friend next door. Maybe they have something. Guess what the friend says? Man, I, this guy is rude. Listen to what he says. I'm talking about the guy knocking on the door. He goes knocking on the door at midnight. Don't bother me, the friend says. There's a voice from within. I guess that's the friend inside his house. And he says, don't bother me. The door's locked. My children are with me in bed. They're asleep. You're going to wake up the whole family. I can't get up and get you anything. And Jesus says, but I'm telling you, though he will not give, get up to give him anything because he's a friend, it's not their friendship, yet because of his impudence, Anybody have any idea what that is? That's the King James Version. No, it's the Gary James Version. That's what I've got on there. It's the Gary James Version. Because of his impudence, the guy gets up and gives him the food. What in the world? We're being told in this story, you need to pray with impudence. Okay, there's your sermon for the day. You go figure out what that means. What does that mean? Anybody got Siri? Don't, don't. Here's... Here's what it means. Shameless audacity. Does that help you some? Shameless. I don't care what it makes you think of me. 
And that's what he keeps knocking at the door of his neighbor. And his neighbor's saying, my kids are asleep. You should feel ashamed of yourself. But the need is absolutely the most important thing. I need food for my friend. And I'll do whatever. I'll be shameless. And I'll be audacious. And I'll keep asking. Because it's needed. And the only person I know to go to is you. So what are you going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to knock and I'm going to knock and I'm going to beg and I'm going to plead because what I need only you have. And when you want what only God has, you will come knocking and you'll come knocking and you'll pound on the door. God, you're the only one who has what I need and i got to have it and I want it so bad, I'm going to keep knocking until you give it. In essence... How hungry are you? If you're not praying, you're not hungry at all. I'd say to married people, how hungry are you for a, a better marriage than what you got right now? If you're not praying about it, you don't really want it. Because the only one who can give it, the source, that's what we just prayed, y'all, the source of every need is my Father in heaven, and he's my Father. He loves me, and he's in heaven, and he can give me whatever I ask. And so whatever I ask, he gives me. What are you asking for? What do you want so badly? What are you so hungry for that you go to him over and over and over and say, this is what I need? And you're the only one to give it, and you're the only one I know to go to, and so I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep pleading, and it's going to be in my prayers over and over and over again. That's why it's the Lord's Prayer. You want to be like the Lord? You pray like this. So how bad do you want to be like the Lord? When it came down to it with our weekend, and I, the way I interpret it, and some of those of you came each, evening, each afternoon to that thing, we would keep coming at it from different angles, but how do you keep serving a spouse who never changes. How do you keep doing it? And when they don't seem to be engaged and, and you just keep doing it and keep doing it, how, what do you do to get them motivated? What do you do to get them to change? And the answer is you can't change them. But you can change you. You put whatever you need in a prayer and you go to God and you pound on his door. And you keep your family gathered here on Sunday mornings where you come before, uh, you, you come here and you, and you bring with you a worldly mindset, a very American mindset of I've got my rights and I want to do my own thing and I want to build up my kingdom and I want to do my will and I want to make a name for ourselves and I want life to be easy and I want it to be, and you bring that with you and you replace it with thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy, that's, that's what we're doing. We gather around the Lord's table and we serve a Savior who while we were spitting in his face he was laying down his life 
You gather around that table not just to celebrate him doing what you couldn't do, but you gather around the table so that you start doing the attitude that he had. Not my will, but thine be done. You keep laying it down and you keep serving, not as a tactic to change them, but as a way to adopt the behavior of Jesus. And that's what you signed on for. And we're not going to be the church when we keep saying, well, you know, if he doesn't start doing coming around serving, you need to leave him. No, that's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. Here's the three conclusions. Three suggestions. Pray this prayer every day. And when you get to the daily bread section, think of one or two things that you need from yourself to make your marriage better. What are a couple of things you need to be more like Christ in that marriage relationship. Don't think of a whole laundry list. And if you don't know what they are, ask your spouse. They know, right? They know. And don't ask for a whole laundry list. Ask for one or two things. And you go before God, not just once. You keep knocking. And you keep knocking. You keep saying, God, give me my daily bread and the things I need for work and the things that I need to keep my mind calm and faithful in you when the whole world seems chaotic. Pray all those things. Those are needs too. And then you say, God, for my marriage, what I need to be doing is this. I need to be less, I need to be less gripey and I, I need to be more and, and calm. And like Jesus, when he says, come to me, you rest, I need to be restful. Whatever it is, you pray that every day. Second thing, when you get to the temptation section, what are the weaknesses you have that you fall prey to? Talking back, yelling, maybe yelling. I have a tendency to pout. We talked about that. Even the one who conducted the, sem- the she, she pouts. She just admitted she pouts. She, she knows it. That's, the weak, that's my tendency. That's my weakness. That's my inefficient response. God, that's my temptation. When I get to this moment right here, when we're in disagreement, I go into pouting. And God, I, I, when that starts happening, please don't, don't le- you know, help me through that time because that's evil. And then here's number three, and this is going to be the hardest for some of you. One day a week, pray the prayer that you create based on the Lord's prayer but with your own addendums to them pray that prayer aloud in the presence of your spouse for you men that should be your leadership role anyway let your wife hear that you go before God and you recognize the needs you have that you're not quite where you want to be and you're asking God you're asking your father you're asking your creator to give you some things that will help make the marriage better and your wife can't help but hear that don't make it manipulation either don't use this as a tactic this is not a tactic this is a way of life and wives this is the challenge because we're not used to this I'm not telling you to pray in church I'm telling you, do pray at home and let your husband hear your prayer and let him hear what you consider to be your needs and weaknesses. And when he hears you taking that to God, he will be touched and he will become a participant in answering God's prayer. Something concrete, something simple, but boy, something big. The disciples wanted to know this enough to ask, and they were, we are thankful that Jesus answered. He answered with, this is the secret power. 
So how in the world could we know what his secret power is <laughs> and then not use it? How can we know what his secret was and not even do it? That is foolish. And it's as simple as that. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning, we stand ready to receive you, whatever your need is, as we stand, as we sing together. Lord, take my life. May